Welcome to Officer Wellness with Brian Manley, a candid and informative discussion between retired police chief Brian Manley and law enforcement leaders about the many aspects of officer wellness. We hope you enjoy this episode and find it informative. Officer Wellness is powered by Off-Duty Management. So uh, how, how many hubs are set up in the state so far? So right now we have um, one major hub set up in Belton, and then we have one major hub set up in Farm. We are working to set another one up in Irving, and then um, any additional hubs after that, we're still waiting on funding from the state to try to set up any, any more hubs. Um, so we're going to cover the state as it stands with really three hubs and then myself working kind of independently covering down on additional regions that need it. Sure. And f- as with any, whether it be a mandated program or a recommended program, funding always becomes an issue. And thankfully, this wasn't an unfunded mandate, but I'm sure it's not funded to the level that, you know, the state needs or that you would desire as well. But uh, I guess the expectation is that as you all show the success of the program and the the user rate, and I want to I want to talk about that here in a minute, that the legislatures can go back and add additional funding, understanding that the need is greater than what we can still address at this point. So, you talked about really the only data that you collect is the, is the usage number, and I think that's actually spelled out in the legislation that that's the the only really requirement for you to report back to the state. So talk a little bit about how you ensure the anonymity within the system so that um, officers, you know, they've downloaded this app on their phone, and, uh, you know, we always hear issues about how private is your data, how secure is, you know, is, is the network or the website or the app. And so I know great lengths, uh, you know, uh, the, went to great lengths to ensure that on this. So talk a little bit about how the anonymity is built into this program. Yeah. So when we started the process of getting the app built, one of the major factors, if not the greatest factor to consider was the safety and security of the information of the officers. Um, so the app is specifically designed for the officers to be able to put in whatever name they want, they could create uh, essentially a, a dummy email and still use the app. It doesn't have to be, it has to work, it has to be a, an email that's functional, but it doesn't have to be the one they use every day. It can not be attached to their name in any way, shape, or form. And they can still use the app, still reach out to get help. Um, we do need a phone number or an email that they will answer and reply to in order to reach out to them. But the information that they put in the app, they again, they can use false names. You know, they could be, uh, you know, Bugs Bunny in the app. And when one of the peers is going to contact them back, they're going to be asking to speak to Bugs Bunny at whatever phone number that they list. So it's a way that they can feel safe knowing that their, their regular information is not out there for anybody. We just need the ability to reach them. That's it. The, the, the contact, that's all. Yeah, you're not worried about what agency they're with or where they live or anything like that. Again, the end goal here is just giving them that opportunity to speak with a peer. Absolutely. And to be honest with you, too, in order to protect their anonymity, they have the ability in the app to set it up to 500 miles away from where they are. So if I'm in if I'm in uh, far Texas, way down south, right, and I don't feel comfortable talking to somebody locally, I can set it up to 500 miles away to speak to someone. So that peer, not only are they not going to know who I am, they may not have even heard of my agency. Um, so it's just another level of anonymity that we can give them is if they don't want to talk to somebody local, they could reach across the state to speak to another peer that's trained the same way as all the others and still know that 
they're getting help, but it's safe and secure and that their anonymity is protected. What are you seeing so far? And again, I understand this program is is really in its infancy. Just you know, just got added to legislation less than a year ago, and any major program like this takes a while to stand up. But what are you seeing as far as an acceptance rate out there right now, or or probably a usage rate? Maybe a better way to look at it. And um, and then what are you doing uh, to try and really market this program so that our our profession knows that it's out there and and we can you know link more people with it yeah so as far as usage it's growing daily it's getting bigger every single day um we are struggling a little bit fighting the stigma of using this kind of system still and i mean this comes down to um cultural issues you know what i mean uh in the law enforcement community Trust is earned. It's not just given out freely. And sure. we have to continue to prove to them that we are worthy of their trust. And that's something that we're working very hard to show and do daily with what we're doing. The way we're trying to get the information out there is uh, a lot of it's word of mouth right now. Uh, we are, tra- again, traveling all over the state, teaching courses, training peers. Uh, we have our website up and running. We have... Uh, Facebook is alive and well for us. Um, so we're continuing to try to market this the best that we can with what the assets that we have to ensure that it grows and spreads throughout the state. Um, trying to think of some of the other, really it's just time is, is the biggest battle that we're dealing with is just trying to, to understand and be patient, knowing that it takes time. Like you mentioned to build something this big is getting, getting all these people involved and getting them to understand that we're here to help. And it, that trust is a big deal for us. So um, we're not a one of those for-profit organizations out there trying to take advantage of anybody. Um, and getting officers to understand that it's safe is a big deal for us. Sure. And I know I had the benefit of seeing you uh, at the Texas Police Chiefs uh, Conference. Um, and, uh, you know, that's where we met for the first time. And uh, having our our company booths right next to each other was uh, was very beneficial to have that opportunity to talk for a little while and again share uh, share our concerns and our passion for this uh, for this topic. Um, so other you know word of mouth is always you know the best way to to get the, the information out to other agencies and I know here locally you're you're meeting with uh, with as many of the uh, the agencies around the state as you can. Uh, for those that may have the opportunity to, to hear our discussion that are, you know, in, well, let, let, let's go first uh, here in Texas, um, you know, since this is where, where we're at and you're established, how would they, how would they reach out to you? What's the, you know, what's the app? And, you know, let's say an officer who is uh, fortunate enough to come across this uh, recording and is in need of uh, making that connection, where, where would they go? So it's available in both uh, the Google's app store and the apple app store and it's uh green light balance is the name of the app itself so you would go download the app to your phone and then it's going to ask for some specific information that is saved on your phone it's not saved at my level um again protecting the anonymity of everyone uh, but they'll have to go into their my t web page because it's going to ask for a specific code to access the app the reason why we did that is because we want to ensure 
that not anyone anywhere can use the resources that we're providing for free. Um, we want to ensure that it's going to police officers that, that are in need in the state of Texas. So by sure. going to my T-Coal, we're ensuring that it is only police officers that are accessing this app and using the resources that we're providing for them. Um, once that code is put in, that completes their, their download process. And again, with one touch of a button, they can reach out to anyone. Um, the other thing they can do is uh, if you go to the CPI website, under CPI, you'll find the Texas Law Enforcement Peer Network, and CPI being the Caruth Police Institute. Uh, our website is up, and it's got additional contact information, all of our resources, the hub or regional directors are there as well. Great. What does uh, what does uh, the next step look like for you? Um, obviously, you're staying busy. I know you're you're traveling a bunch. You're trying to make sure word about the program is getting out there, um, and uh, you know hopefully we will see this program receive additional funding in future legislative sessions so that the networks can expand beyond the the three you're currently working to to get up uh, running at full speed. But what's the future of the program look like? What's the direction, and and how do you continue to grow it? Well, I think that uh, we can't ever rest on our laurels. You know, no matter how good of a year we have, and no matter how much work we do, it's about what we did today, uh, not what we did yesterday. Um, so we're going to continue to push growth is the biggest focus of where this pro program's going, is um, trying to get as many officers in the state involved as possible, and then focusing on quality making sure that the resources that we're putting in there stay culturally competent, that they are still supporting. In fact, I just got a, a message on Friday that one of our, our resources has changed information. So ensuring that we keep the resources as up-to-date as possible so that when, because if I'm in need, right, and I'm struggling and having a hard time, the last thing I want to do is hunt for, for anything on an app. So we're trying to keep it as relevant and up-to-date as possible for them. So growth and continuing to make what we do better every single day, whether it's improving our course, whether it's improving um, the amount of people that we have working in the organization, uh, growth is the key, you know, uh, to be able to be heard and seen as often as possible. You know, it, we're not, we're not here to compete with any other organization. We're here to support organizations. We're here to save lives, truthfully, to try to help um, offer a hand to officers that might be in need. Sure. So talk a little bit about the the training. Um, you, you said it earlier, and, and I've heard this before. You talked about, you know, the, the people that serve in a peer support program, they have to be, you know, that has to be the right person. And uh, we've, you know, I've had a lot of opportunities to meet with, uh, you know, people serving in different areas of officer health and wellness. And I know in speaking with a, a police psychologist, you know, she once talked about, you know, the importance of ensuring that you are speaking to a psychologist who understands the role of PTSD in policing. And it's very different than, it's not just something that anybody can go and try and help an officer. And in fact, it could, you know, maybe do more damage if, if, uh, you know, you're speaking to someone who is not culturally competent in the special 
the specifications of law enforcement when it comes to this. So a little bit about what you look for when you're trying to identify someone to serve in the peer network. Obviously, you train them and, and, and you help develop them, but what are those those core competencies? So if someone is thinking that they might want to you know, volunteer to help and be that resource to other officers, what is it that you look for and how do they help prepare themselves? So I think that it's important that we look for first somebody that that cares right the give a damn has got to be pretty high and then sure. we look at somebody that's been through things in their career maybe they've dealt with ptsd before maybe they've dealt with um you know all sorts of family trauma divorce budgetary issues that have have struggled but are through those struggles and are doing well now right so they're on the the back side of whatever trauma they went through we want them on the I made it through, and this is how I did it. That's kind of the phase we're looking at. Um, it can be unhealthy to get somebody that's still going through the trauma. Um, so we want somebody that's gotten gone through it already and is on the backside. Um, and we also want folks that are fairly new, right? I, I think that all perspectives are important, but we, we look for people that have compassion, um, people that are able to empathize, um, yeah, I, th I think caring, caring is probably the biggest thing as far as I'm as far as I'm concerned. But it, caring and experience, I think, is the the most important things we can look at. Sure, and I think what you're you're mentioning also is it brings credibility to someone who can you know to some extent or another let an officer know they've been in their place before. No two situations are exactly the same, but you know there are enough similarities to where. Uh, you know, I, I have to imagine that uh, that the conversations would lead in, you know, the general direction about what the officers had been through and, and what they're experiencing now. Um, so maybe a few minutes on helping a listener or someone who has the opportunity to come across this podcast but is not in the state of Texas and does, their state is not necessarily addressing this issue yet in the way that Texas just has with the passage of this legislation last year. How do they start making this happen? How do you move this mountain? How do you how do you get your your state on board to fund a program like this? Well, I'll be honest in that this this fight was done before I was hired on in a lot of ways. I, and just being honest, um, I personally would like to thank you know bj wagner jeff spivey all of the executive board members for cpi and all of the police chiefs across the state of texas that believed in the need for this were the ones that went to bat to fight uh to ensure that this went through um and i think that without the legislation we would be struggling with this program so i think that that would be the first step is getting legislation built, um, fighting for the legislation to be able to have a program like this, to create the funding um, and to allow for this sort of organization to exist. So I think that's first and foremost, that's gotta be you know, at the top of the list um, sure. for, for ways to get this done. Um, as far as internally, um, I would just say it makes a lot of sense to have infrastructure built very early. That's something that we, you know, it's kind of an uphill battle when you're having to, you know, fly in a plane and build it at the same time, right? As a, sure. um, 
So building the infrastructure early, I think, is important. Understanding, you know, the need for a web page, the need for a system just to send emails within your organization, um, a place to share data. Those sorts of things need to be considered as well. And I know that's that's not, um, you know, sexy or interesting or, but it it's a need. You know, though the administrative aspect of this is a bear and can be a bear. Um, if things are not in place already. So that the advice I would give was legislation and infrastructure. That's the, the best way to get this sort of organization put together. That makes total sense. And I think this, like any other legislation trying to get passed, and, you know, I've, I've had a little bit of experience that in my last role, you know, in, in, in law enforcement, you know, going to your local representative, you know, especially if you have someone who, you know, ran on a platform of supporting the police or has a history of that or, you know, has that background, either military or policing, you know, just you you know that about them that they might be more approachable on a topic like this and then having the data. And unfortunately, there is so much data out there now to show just how big of an issue this is today. And um, and then hopefully you come across that legislator that is just as you described what we want to see in a peer that is a good listener, that is compassionate, and that uh, gives a damn and that cares. Um, and I know that uh, the folks at uh, Carruth Police Institute, is, as well as you with uh, with the, the program, would be more than willing to, to help lend credibility behind the need for the program and then any data that legally, you know, we are allowed to share. And again, I know that, uh, you know, the way the system works, there's only minimal data there as far as, you know, the number of people utilizing the system. But, you know, the one thing that we we absolutely know is that nothing will change if nobody steps up and, and takes that leadership role in trying to make it change. And, you know, as, as grateful that I am to see so many uh, agencies really taking on an active role in officer health and wellness and so many more conversations being had today compared to 30 years ago. We know the roadblocks are still significant and we know that the reluctance culturally is still there, um, you know, because of the stigma that's attached to all of this. And so the more creative that we get uh, as a profession, and the more people that are willing to put themselves in this space to uh, really try and help the officers, I think that obviously the higher the success rate. And Dustin, I just have to thank you for dedicating, you know, your next chapter of your life to this endeavor. Um, it's, you know, it's you, you never you're never going to know that life that you saved or that life that you made better. Uh, like so many things that officers do in law enforcement. When you leave that call, you have no idea what happens after you leave. You just pray, and, and at times you know you made it better for that person. And uh, I know the work that you're doing um, is going to definitely you know feed to that here across the state. And again, I look forward to seeing the program grow. Um, I wish we didn't need the program, but that's not the world that we live in. And it's going to take more and more people like you that are, first of all, willing to tell your story because then that gives credibility to your efforts that they really are based out of a, not only a true understanding but true compassion having been through this, um, that that will help build the credibility in the program itself as well. 
Um, so as we kind of wrap up our time together here today, I just want to open it up for you uh, to say anything that you want to say in the area of, you know, health and wellness and just your experience, military, Dallas PD, currently, uh, you know, working on the on the project, just anything and any of your thoughts. Well, Brian, I'll be honest in that um, I'm very humbled by the opportunity to be here and talk with you today. Um, I'm very grateful that I've had the opportunity to work in this field. It's not something I ever really, you know, even thought about uh, until it kind of happened. Um, I don't know if this is common. I don't know if it's done, but I'm going to, on my on the, on the podcast here, I'm going to share my phone number with you um, and any of your listeners, um, whether you're in the state or outside the state, if you need advice on um, the specifics of setting up and running this, you can feel free to hit me up at any time. Um, I will be glad to share my lessons learned the good days and the bad days of how to get this thing running. Um, so my phone number is area code 573-337-4145. Please give me a call. Uh, day or night, 2 o'clock in the morning, I'm here to help. Um, I'm, I'm very blessed and very glad that I was able to, to find this um, new passion. You know, when you, you leave the, the military after 20 years... It's kind of hard to figure out where do I go next? What's my next direction? What are I, where do I want to dedicate my energy? And to find something that you genuinely care about is an amazing thing. So um, to all those officers that are out there that are questioning whether or not um, it's going to be worth it, reach out to somebody. Get help, it, whether, it's, whether it's the Texas Law Enforcement Peer Network or whether it's another peer network, internal, external, just reach out. Don't, don't be afraid. Be brave like you are every day and everything that you do, reach out and get the help that you need. Um, there is life after PTSD, I promise. Um, for all of the leadership that's out there that's kind of questioning whether this is the direction that they want to head, um, I got to tell you, you'd do anything to save one of your officers' lives while they're out there on the call. Consider doing anything for your officers after the call. Um, even if it means swallowing pride and understanding that this is help that they could use and they might need. If it saves one officer's life, it's all worth it. So leadership out there, please, please consider a program. It doesn't have to be mine. Consider a program because um, the officers need it. We're in a bad way. So thank you so much, Brian, for having me. Dustin, I don't think it could be said any better. You've uh, you've wrapped it up uh, as, as no one else has. And again, I think that's because of your personal experience and, and, and your commitment to this and your willingness to take a call at 2 a.m. and just to put your number out there just shows how genuine you are in this effort. And so I thank you for what you're doing for uh, the officers in our great state and now uh, hopefully beyond the borders as others have a chance to hear about what you're doing. And I absolutely expect that uh, officers will be reaching out to you either for a personal need or to uh, look at building some type of a program in their state if one does not already exist. And you are absolutely the real deal. And I think that you've shown that to uh, brothers and sisters in blue today by, uh, by being as vulnerable and as real as you are sharing your experiences and your passion about officer health and wellness. And so 
I thank you for your time and uh, look forward to a, a future conversation down the road when we're talking about the 15 hubs across Texas and all the numbers of officers that have gotten the help because sadly this will be a continuing need, but thankfully we're, uh, we're starting to address it thanks to the great work of folks like you, the Texas Peer Network, uh, BJ over, uh, you know, now was, was with CPI and Jeff, uh, Chief Spivey. So, so many people are doing great things here and I look forward to seeing the work continue. So thank you very much. Dustin and uh, you have a great day. You've been listening to Officer Wellness with Brian Manley, powered by Off-Duty Management. Off-Duty Management provides off-duty job administrative services and comprehensive liability insurance to officers and agencies at no cost. For more information on Off-Duty Management, visit offdutymanagement.com.